1: Point nine FM, Soul to Soul, on your radio, Erev, Shabbos, which is also Pashis Zohar, we are approaching the very special holiday of Purim, which Be'ez will be on this coming Wednesday night and Thursday, don't forget, Wednesday is also Tiny Sesta, the Fast of which always precedes Purim, but then Wednesday night and Thursday we look forward to for all the mitzvahs and all the celebration and happiness which we'll please God will discuss a little bit later in the in the program. But in the meantime let's say a quick, a quick idea on this week's Pasha. The Pasha starts by Yikra Adam Ki Mikem Karban Hashem when a man among you brings a Karban offering to Hashem. Now the reality is that the word Mikem from among you is completely superfluous. Clearly, anyone who brings a carbon is bringing it for himself. A just have said, "Adam ki carbon Hashem." A person will bring a carbon to Hashem. What's this word, "mikem"? So the Ben Ish beautifully explains this based on a pasuk in Sefer Tehillim. Tehillim says, Hashem chesed ki tishalem leish." and yours Hashem is kindness for you repay every single person according to his deeds if you want to look it up it's a Pasuk, it's in capital Samach uh, Bay 62 Pasuk you'd give a Pasuk 13 so he's saying is is it an act of kindness to reward a person accordingly it's to be expected that if one acts appropriately, he's going to receive a reward which is uh, commensurate with his actions. Now, if Yosef Chaim explains that a person doesn't even consider doing tshuva for certain sins because his Yetzirah has convinced him that he has no reason to extend himself because, after all, he has actually committed no sin. In HaKadosh Baruch infinite kindness, Hashem reminds the person that all is not well. His actions require tshuva. Hashem affects this through Hashem's vehicle of Mida kinegen midah, measure for measure, until the person realizes that Hashem has visited this most recent ordeal upon him in order to convey a very subtle message. Hello, You've made a mistake, you've erred, and you need to do tshuva. That's Hashem's kindness. His discipline is kind because it draws the line and raises a person's consciousness to the idea that he must perform tshuva. So says the Benishchai, Adam ki mikem, when a person amongst you brings a karbon, mikem, mem, Khaf, Mem, is the acronym of Midah, Kineget, Midah. Mem, Kuf Mem. So that every Jew who is visited with any kind of punishment or trouble or any kind of adversity should immediately ask himself, what could I have done to deserve this specifically? What message is being conveyed through this adversity? If one focuses on the mikem, mida keneged mida, he would be inspired to offer a proper korban as his expression of of, uh, of tshuva. In an alternative uh, essay, the Benishkai compares this to a man who, who goes to a shop which sells mirrors. And he asks for a large, sturdy mirror. So the proprietor shows him a mirror And after looking at it from all angles, the man asked to see another mirror. This mirror, he says, presents an image of me all disheveled in torn clothes. I want a mirror that will present a more positive image of me, the customer declared. The proprietor explained to him, it is not the mirror, sir, it is you, the mirror regardless of size, durability and aesthetics. Will only present the image that appears in it. As long as you appear disheveled, you will see yourself as such in the mirror image of yourself. So this explains the benishkai is alluded to by the word mechem from amongst you. Right? Commensurate with your desire to come close to Hashem, He will come closer to you. Right? What you present is what you see. Don't attempt to gloss over reality because a mirror never tells a lie. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. There's so much more coming. This
0: is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 high FM,
1: this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kiddish. Pashas va'yikra, Pashas zochar. We are only days away from the tremendous Chag of Purim and all that implications and all the mitzvahs and all the incredible, incredible events that are scheduled for for Purim. And there's so much to talk about. There's so much taira to learn about <coughs> about Purim. So let's get stuck straight in and learn. I think something that is interesting, you know, there's a Gemara there's a Gemara in, it's actually in two different places it's a Gemara in, in Gittin and a Gemara in, in Sanhedrin in the last parak in Perek Chelek the Gemara tells us <coughs> that from some of the greatest most nefarious and evil people that ever existed in the world came out some of the greatest Jews some of the biggest Talmud Chachamim are descendants of these massive, massive world Rashim. For example, two examples are Shemaiah and Avtayan, who were tremendous, tremendous leaders. In, in, in the first parak of Purkeyavas, they're one of the Zugais, one of the pairs that were the Ador, that were leaders of their of their generation. They were the descendants of Sancheiriv. Sancheiriv was the the king of Ashur who tried to capture the whole world and was only stopped on the outskirts of Yishlai by a tremendous miracle that Hakadosh Baruch Hu, uh, uh, performed for him, and he had descendants who were these—they were both—they were both converts, they were both gerim, and, and they had this tremendous, tremendous leadership position of total greatness in Israel. Says further Gemara that from the descendants of Haman Harasha. Came also tremendous humanist In fact, if we quote the language of the Gemara, Tana, we learned in Ebraisa, Naaman, Naaman was a a general who came to uh, Elisha because he had tzaras uh, and uh, terrible affliction, uh, something like leprosy, but of course nothing like that, and Elisha. Uh, uh, cured him, told him to go to in the in the Jordan River, and and he was he was cured, and and in, in appreciation of that, so it says that Naaman became a ger He became someone who willingly accepted and assiduously kept all of the seven Noahide mitzvahs to the very very best of his of his uh, ability. Right, nevu uh, who in uh, was one of the uh, uh, generals who was charged with the destruction of the basement because he ran away and gart Seah he actually converted and became a full-fledged Jew and then it says Mibban of Shalhamon Haman from the descendants of Hamon, Lamdu Torah of they learnt Taira in the city of Nebrak Mibban Shal Sisra from the grandchildren of Sisra. Sisra, we know, was also the general. We read about him in the book of Shreftim, where he went to war, to, and, and Devorah and her husband Barak led an army against him and, and vanquished him. He was also a terrible, terrible Russia. So from his descendants, they taught Gideon kinder They were in Yerushalayim. And from the from the grandchildren, he said of of San Kherev, of this terrible uh, uh, oligarch of a king who wanted to capture the whole world, Lamdu Torah They taught and learned Torah publicly. Manin, who were their descendants, they, they here were told in the Gemara, who were actually the descendants of Sanchev, is Shmaya They were these two great comrades who became the leaders of their of their generation. Now, the Gemara doesn't say uh, who were the descendants. It's not specific about who were the descendants of Haman that learned Torah in in Bnei Barak, and therefore, the the and the commentaries, have different opinions as to who exactly these were that, that these descendants of Haman that were zayecha to 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 teach to teach Torah. So, in the En Yankov in the Gemara there in, in Sanhedrin, he brings, and, and the Menorah Samar also uh, uh, brings it down, that, it, uh, that their, their text in the Gemara was that from the descendants of Haman, they saw Torah B'nei brak. who were they? Rav Shmuel Bashilas. Rav Shmuel Bashilas, one of the great uh, uh, figures in, in the Gemara, he was a descendant of, of, uh, of, of Haman. However, in Rabbanan going in in Gemara in Brachas Tav Chavzayin, and also in the Menorah Hamar, their text was: Who were the the of Who were the descendants of Sisra that taught Torah in Yushalayim? Who were they? Rabbi Akiva. and his colleagues. They were the descendants of this uh, of of Sisra. However, this interesting text, the Maritzchias, brings it as well as the Ponim Meiras brings down slightly different texts, and they say that the, when we talk about the descendants of Haman who were learning Torah in Bene now Bene they say is the key because they are we know who later became the Rav of Bene Rabbi Akiva, so he says the descendants of the descendants of, of Haman that sat in the Torah in B'nebra is referring to to Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva and others seem to confirm that to confirm that uh, also now perhaps this can be explained why was it that Shol in the Haftorah we're going to read about this week on Shabbos <coughs> and Pasha why was it that Shoal had compassion on Agag and on the and on the sheep and and didn't destroy them as was in fact the command of of Shmuel? Right? So so they say that the the intention was that those that Shoal saw there were certain it says there were certain sparks of holiness that he saw. That we're going to emanate from Amalek, and that was Rabbi Akiva. in fact, the Gemara brings in Yevamah and Andasamul that Rabbi Akiva was called a Raya Zayin. He was called a a shepherd of sheep, and the there explains that he was Zayche to this very very important title of being a Raya son, of being a shepherd, which is. A, a a a power that he inherited from Moshe Beinu. Because Moshe Beinu, we know, was chosen as a leader because HaKadosh Baruch saw the, the kind of compassion, the kind of love he had for the sheep of Yisrael that he was looking after. And Hashem said, well, if you can show such compassion and, and such care for, for sheep... So, so too, you can show such compassion, such care for my, for my nation, for, for, for Klai Yisrael. And therefore, we can explain what might have been Scholl's motivation in, in not killing Agag right away, because he saw that something still had to come from, from, that, uh, from that relationship. And that will then help us perhaps to understand what the Gemara tells us in, in Brochus, Dav Samacham Ibez, about what Rabakiva says. Abbakiva says there that uh, a person should always <speaking in Hebrew> a person should always get used to saying Tab <speaking in Hebrew> Everything that the Rabbi Ishlam does is is good. And and that re- connects that to the whole story that happened with him when he was going on the journey and he got to a certain a village, and he knocked on the all the doors and houses, and he asked that someone should should host him for overnight, and uh, everyone refused to allow Rabbi Akiva into their into their home, and Rabbi Akiva still didn't lose his trust in in Hakadosh Baruch Hu. and he said, whatever Hakadosh Baruch Hu does is for the is for the uh, the best, right? Yes. Yeah, so he had no choice; he went, we know, and he slept in in an open field outside the choir and he had his his rooster in order to wake him up uh uh before dawn and a donkey to ride on and a candle so he could learn right so once he found a place to to camp so he lit the candle in order to to learn torah and came a wind we know and extinguished the candle said whatever hashem does is for the good and he went to sleep they have to come back and join us after the break for the rest of the story and how this all fits in to the Purim story 101.9 High FM Soul to Soul we'll be back in a moment
0: this is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Shnerb only on 101.9 High FM
1: 101.9 Chai FM Soul to Soul we're talking about Purim in fact we're building connections between Haman. Haman and his family, the dastardly Russia that Haman was, and the great Rabbi Akiva. And we were, missing, we we're in the middle of telling the story, the famous story of Gemara in Brochus dafsamach about Rabbi Akiva, who was traveling, and he had his donkey, and he had his, he had his rooster, and he had his candle. And he was left at night outside the city because no one was prepared to give him accommodation in the city. And we just learned that the candle blew out. And Rabbi Akiva said, Whatever Hashem does is good. And he went to sleep. Suddenly he hears these distress calls from his, from his rooster. And he looks up and he sees a, a cat came and grabbed the rooster. Rabbi Akiva shrugged his shoulders and said, Called the Rahman Whatever Hashem does is for the good. Then he heard the braying of his donkey in a fearful way, and he saw that uh, a lion had come and attacked the, the donkey, and it was one nil lion. That was the end of the, of, the, of the donkey. And Rabbi Akiva just says, Called the Avarachman Whatever Hashem does is for the good. Then the events of the night weren't yet complete. Suddenly they hear frightening calls from the, from the city, and the people are screaming and, and, and yelling. And we know what happened that a, a group of, of, of robbers uh, attacked the city and took everyone as captive or took their possessions. And Kiva says, Oh, see, I was right. Whatever Hashem does is for good. Because if we had been in the city, then we also would have been would have been attacked. If the candle had been burning, they would have seen me. If the rooster would have called, they would have known I was there. And if they would have seen the if the, the, the donkey would have brayed, they would have come in and uh, and and no one would be on. So that's that's the story. What, what needs elucidation is why did Rabbi Akiva say the words, which means whatever Hashem does is for the good. Why did he choose to say it in Aramaic and not in, in uh, Hebrew? That's the Hebrew expression. Why did Rabbi Akiva specifically pick the Aramaic expression? And the answer is, say this for him, because we know Rabbi Akiva was a descendant of, of Haman. And therefore, he chose to say it in Aramaic to teach us that he learned this from his uh, not so illustrious past, Haman, right? That when Haman wanted to destroy and wipe out and kill all the Jews, so, uh, you know, uh, everything uh, turned over and uh, and, and became, uh, you say, Sasan Simcha became so, so, so joyous. And, uh, and, and you know, it turned out that everything was, was good for, for the yin. And perhaps with this we can understand... What it says in the haggadah you know, only thirty days from from Pesach, it says, "Maisev Rabbi Elaz of Rabbi Yeshua Ben Azaria of Rabbi These five tanoim, Rabbi Elaz, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Elaz Ben Azaria, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Tarfon, are you misubim b'Nebrak? They were busy having the seder together in Bnebrak, and the Roshim ask, "Why did they choose to have the seder in Bnebrak, which was Rabbi Akiva's?" Home, home, hometown. In fact, as the Gemara says in in Sanhedrin, Tan Rabbanon says, Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdov, you have to run after the best justice, the best court you can find. And the Gemara says, run after the Chachamim. Uh, to the yeshiva, or follow Rabbi Lezer to the town of Lud. That's where he was. After Rabbi Yehoshua Ben Zakkai Chayel. That's where he was. And after Rabbi Yeshua al Pakian, and after Rabbi and after Rabbi Akiva to Bnei Brak. So Rabbi Akiva, that was Rabbi Akiva's town. Why did they specifically have the seder in Rabbi Akiva's town? So the answer is that the whole story of Haman we know took place on Pesach. And, and therefore, it became quite clear that the Lela Seder is a special night for the Jews. It's a night on which we are protected from any kind of damaging forces. Not only did that happen on that particular night, on the night of Yitzhiah Mishrayim, but every single generation, when de as we say in de Molena when our enemies are standing up against us and want to destroy us, Hashem saves us from their, their hand. And therefore, they specifically chose to celebrate the Seder in the place of Rabbi Akiva, the anicle the of Haman. In order to remember the miracle that was done to Kla even after Yitzhiyas, Yitzhiyas Mishraim, that that is what created the energy, that's what created the, the scenario that would allow them to be saved in the time of Haman also. With this, perhaps we can get a better insight into the, the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Chafalaf I think it's repeated in the Dharam also, which says that there are 50 gates of understanding that were created in the world, all of them were given to Moshe Rabbeinu with the exception of, of one. As it says, You were just one step short of being on the level of Hashem himself. And the Chido the brings down in, in his Sefer, that Kiva was Zayche, to the 50th gate of, of understanding. And he brings in the name of the Sefer Lev Levarian Pasha Shukas that where is this hinted to? Where is this alluded to? That it's hinted to in the uh, language of the Medrash. It says, "Bachol uh, Rasa It says all the precious things his eyes saw. And the Medrash says that's Shabbat Yakiva. And the word "call" we know. The uh, gemachias twenty and thirty is 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 fifty, which corresponds to the fifty gates of deep un- understanding. That was the yalkar. That was the precious thing that Rabbi Akiva was Zaycha to 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 see. How was Rabbi Akiva zayechet to a level of understanding that even my shabenu wasn't able to 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 merit? So the maral in in his sefer or on on the on on Purim writes as as follows: It would seem that that this aspiration of Haman is actually hinted to in his name, because what is his name? Haman Hey Mem Nun. Now Hey Mem, which is forty five, is the same gematria as Adam. That's the, the level of a person. A normal person is able, if he really pushes himself, to reach the level of 45. But Haman wasn't satisfied with that. Haman thought that the only way he was going to be able to conquer uh, 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 Mordechai was if he was able to reach the 50th level of, of understanding, which he knew even Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't, couldn't have reached. If he'll be greater than Moshe Rabbeinu, then certainly he'll be able to be greater than Mordechai and be able to conquer him. So therefore, although he was, hey mem, although he was only 45, he strove, he wanted to reach that 50th level so that he could be like HaKadosh Baruch Hu and rule over the world and rule over, over, over Mordechai. In fact, Yonis Naimishchitz also suggests in, in Yaroslavash that that may be why Haman chose to specifically build a gallows for Mordechai that was 50 Amas tall to show him. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to be better than you because I'm going to reach that 50th, that 50th level. And since Karish Baruch always works mida kinnegin mida, this opposite this, so with the descendant of Haman actually did achieve that which Haman only dreamed about ever being able to achieve and he was able to achieve that 50th level of 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 kedusha of actually adds and he says that since it was through the the sin the, the first sin that was, that was done by Odomorishan, it says there that as a punishment for that sin it says kites that thorns and, and thistles will grow for you. So, uh, since that Adamarishan wanted also, of course, he was the perfect man, he also wanted to reach the 50th level of, 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 of Chachmah, which is, of course, the, the highest Thing that uh, a person that's like the crowning jewel of, of all of all uh, of all letters, and and it's it's the highest that a, any being could ever achieve, and therefore when he was cursed, therefore it says you know, you wanted to be the crown, you wanted to be the the uh, the greatest above the greatest, so therefore uh, uh, th- those things are going to become your, your, your undoing. Your nemesis, instead of you being the crown, they're going to be that which impedes your ability to become the greatest. In fact, tatsmiach, lach, lach, of course, is also 50. Your 50 is going to not be achieved on, on a level of greatness. It's going to be dealing with the, the low things, the things on the, on, the, uh, on the ground. So based on this, we can say that if we take into account the, the Gemara in Menachos, the famous Gemara that when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemayim, so he found that Kodesh who was sitting and putting crowns on the letters of the Sefer Torah. So Moshe said to him, Shlodem, why are you doing this? So Hashem said, no, there's one man who's going to eventually come to the world that after many, many generations and Akiva ben Yosef is, is his name and he's going to expound on every single little a, a little crown, a little very point of on top of a letter, he's going to expound ti le, ti le, piles and piles of of, of In other words, after Rabbi Akiva merited to that fiftieth shah of 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 Kadusha, of, of so he merited to reveal all the secrets that are hidden in even those crowns of, of, of the letters, and to and to expound on each one, tremendous amounts of, of information. Right. Furthermore, you know w- we read and learn the story about the the holy Ger Avram ben, ben Avram, who we know was was called uh, 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 Count Politovsky. And we know that the, the uh the the Belzerebe told uh, at the time when they when they made a Siam on Sakhasmegillawchborg was to do this this week, that this Ged appeared afterwards in a dream to one of the great Gedolim uh, uh, that was living at his time, and he said to him you should know. Why was it that it was decreed upon me, this Gazeva, this terrible, terrible decree that I need to, to uh, kind of be taken away so prematurely from the world by, by having my whole body burnt? It's because that after, 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 uh, after my mother's pregnancy with me and, and my, my birth, since it was in a situation that uh, at that time I wasn't Jewish and therefore I wasn't uh, conceived or born with any level of, of Kedusha. So as a result of that, I could not ever become properly pure, properly purified to the point that I needed to. And I wasn't able to reach my proper place that was destined for me in Ghanedin. And therefore... I was we've been forced to come down again to this to this uh, 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 world but since the my, my uh, sort of my departure from this world was through these terrible terrible suffering of being burnt at, at the stake therefore my body was purified to such a level and I was allowed to go straight away to my destined place in Ghanedin straight after I left I left this world. So he says, based on this, we can say that Rabbi Akiva, because of his immense, immense standing in the world and, and, and his place in Ghanedin, so because his father, we know that Yosef, Rabbi Akiva's father, was also a ger, a ger tzedek, so therefore, it may very well be that when Rabbi Akiva was born, so his uh, conception and his birth was also not in the, in the pristine kind of holy way that a Jew is conceived and born. And that caused to some kind of imperfection, some kind of a, a, a blemish by Rabbi Akiva in, in spite of the fact that he himself was... was, uh, was uh, he himself was... Born and conceived to, to a Jew. Therefore, he needed to die Hashem uh, in, in order to purify and burn out whatever the whatever remnants of, of, of the family negative genes might have been to be able to reach his ultimate perfection. The Imam Sakham says that there are five things that Rabbi Kiva commanded Rav Shim Ben Yochai when Rabbi Akiva was. Uh, uh, incarcerated by by the Romans. So Rabbi Shimecha said to him, Rabbi, teach me Torah So he said to him, I can't teach you. So he says to him, if you don't teach me Torah I'm gonna go tell my father right? So Shimecha, I'm wanna go tell my, my father Yochai and he's gonna hand you over to the to the government. And obviously, all all the mafushim battle, to try to understand what, what do you mean? <laughs> well, how would Rabbi Shimon ben his his Talmud have meant when he said, "If you're not going to teach me Torah, I'm going to get you handed over to the government. I'm going to tell my father on 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 you." What the Chas was? I was are we suspecting Rabbi Shimon ben of actually doing something of being of being a, a miser. No, 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 definitely not. Rabbi Shimon ben knew very very well. He knew on, on, on about the fact that Rabbi Akiva uh, 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 needed to achieve his full, full, full tikkun by, by dying al Kirish Hashem. Therefore, so long as Rabbi Akiva was teaching Torah publicly, so then he needed to, to continue to live. Can't take away someone who's teaching Torah in public. However, if... Rabbi Kiva will stop teaching Torah publicly and therefore he's going to complete his purpose of living in this world. So then we can give him over to the, to the kingdom in order that he should be able to get his final tikkun of dying Al- Al-Kiddush, al-Kiddush Hashem. And let's perhaps conclude our, our discussion with a very famous marshal, of the of the Divna of the Duvna magid the Dubna magid says that what does it mean that our zayicha haman that that is children his descendants should learn torah in B'nai brak so he gives a marshal of of a prince who once became ill with a very very contagious kind of uh, a, a disease. And because people were so worried that my other people might catch that disease, they had no choice but literally to, to isolate the prince in, the, in, the, in a palace outside the city with just one servant who would serve him. And, uh, and uh, you know, none of them, no, neither of those two were allowed to meet anybody else. That had been complete and total and total isolation. This slave who absolutely resented his incarceration and he had to be locked up with this prince all alone decided to take the matters into his own hands and he decided to poison the prince then he would die and then the slave could go back to 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 the palace so from the thoughts came the action and he actually he put poison into the food of of the prince however his plan was Boomerang because the poison actually had the opposite effect. And rather than killing the prince, it actually healed him. And it suddenly came to his light that this poison actually affected the disease and, and it went away. When when the king heard this, he said, I don't know what to do. On, from one side, this slave saved my my son but on the other hand his intention was to to kill him so therefore he decided that he must die the slave must die because he intended to kill the prince however before he dies since he did save the life of the of the prince he's gonna get a, a prize that his Son, the slave son will be elevated to his position, and he'll become a very, very important minister in in, in the government. So says the That's exactly what it was with Homan. He made a gazera. He wanted to kill and destroy all the yidden, and because of that, he was deserving of being hung. But he also deserves a prize because Chazal say that. Uh, uh, they, they were, there was no one who accomplished more in making the yidn do tshuva and not the 48 Neviim and 7 female neviyos. None of them accomplished what, what Haman did in causing Klay Yisrael to do tshuva and bring them back to Ta'a Kaddish Baruch And therefore, the prize that, that Haman received was that his offspring, would learn Torah in Bnei Barak, and he himself would be hung on, on the tree. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment.
0: This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on
1: 101.9 High FM. 41.9 to soul, back on your radio, Arab Shabbos, Kurdish, Parshah, Vayikra, Pashas, We are but near days away from the Chag of Purim, and we'll talk a little bit, just through a quick revision of some of the laws of Purim, but let's first do what we always do at this time on the show, and just go through the important times and details we need to know for this Shabbos. So, this afternoon, the earliest time for putting up our Shabbos lick is 11 minutes past 5, 5.11 is the earliest time for lighting Shabbos candles. And let's do it. Let's get that Shabbos started as soon as possible. Yeah, I know there's lots to do and lots of finicking to do and getting all the food ready and the house entirely, etc., etc. But let's let's do it. And let's try to get that Shabbos ready as early as possible. The latest time for Benching Licht this Friday afternoon is at 10 minutes past 6. No more injury time. We're off of that. 10 minutes past 6 is the latest time for benching lich, that's when your shul's gonna start. Mincha, some shuls may start even earlier. That's when you've gotta have it all together. And and uh, accept get your Shabbos candles up and accept and accept the Shabbos in the home. Bring in the tranquility and the beauty of Shabbos into your home at that time already. Shkia, sunset then is at twenty-eight minutes past eight, at past six, six twenty-eight is, is sunset. And therefore, if you want to uh, be able to dab in Meirev and not have to repeat the, the, the uh, Shema again, all you have to do is wait till about 6.45, 6.46, and that already is certainly night, and one can already then... Uh, might have not after a peak Krishna, and then sit down as always with the family to a beautiful, beautiful Friday night repast with great food and great smears and some beautiful divert and just a great family ambiance and time together after a hard week with a lot of effort and a lot of and a lot of uh, toil now we get to rest and really really kind of rejuvenate ourselves over, over the Shabbos. Tomorrow, of course, is Shabbos Kurdish Pasha's Vayikra. We begin the third book of the Torah, Sefer Vayikra. It's a bit of a technical Pasha about all kinds of different sacrifices. But the main feature tomorrow, of course, is that this is being the Shabbos before Purim. We lay in Pasha's Zohar, three psukim from the end of Pasha's Kisete, which, which remonstrate with us and remind us to never forget the evil plans and and designs of Amalek, who tried to attack us and tried to undermine us in so many ways? And we're we're we commanded by Hashem, Zech Amalek. When the time comes, we're going to wipe out Amalek. Lloyd Tishkach never forget that that obligation exists. And according to many of the authorities, this is actually a Torah obligation, once a year to hear this pasha being read. And therefore, and therefore, everyone needs to sort of ascertain in their what time they're likely to get to that point in the dominating and make sure you're there. And that goes for men according to most of the authorities. It goes for women. Also, they must, even though they don't go out and actually fight against Amalek, they still have the obligation to remember that according to many, many, many persecutors and therefore try to get to shul in in, and to hear that. If for whatever reason a person is unable to get to shul on tomorrow morning and hear the pasha being read, so the the, the halacha says that, if one person comes to shul on Purim morning, so just before the reading of the Megillah on Purim morning in shul, we take out a Sefer Torah and we read about the actual war the actual confrontation against Amalek in Pasha's B'shalach, And therefore, by hearing that, one could possibly fulfill one's obligation of hearing, of being reminded about the, the evil of Amalek once a year if one, if one cannot make it to shul on uh, on, uh, on Shabbat. So therefore, it's a special maftir and a special haftari. And the haftari, of course, you read the story of of uh, Shmuel's command to Shaul to destroy the the Agag, the king of Amalek, and all of his nation, and how he falls short slightly and leaves Agag alive, giving him the opportunity to reproduce, and that descendant, according to many, is is the Haman who was our nemesis in the in the Purim in the Purim uh, 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 story. The Shabbos day continues, and uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at six fifty nine one minute before seven is the termination of, of Shabbos. And, of course, this week, being a very, very special, special week, it starts, of course, with tiniest Esther on Wednesday, the fast of Esther, which commemorates the fact that that day many years ago the Jews went to battle against Haman and all of his henchmen and in Jewish practice when we go to war instead of making sure we stuff ourselves with our weedies to be the strongest possible physical beings we can we fast because we realize and and we rely on the fact that it's not us who are able to be victorious in war it's on the hand of our Kodesh Baruch Hu that we mention Hashem's name and that is what makes us victorious in 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 battle so wednesday is a fast late starts at dawn which is somewhere around five o'clock maybe a few minutes before uh, and continues until night until about probably probably about uh, uh something in the region of six uh uh, no, not, uh so, somewhere in the region of 645 maybe a bit, bit earlier, a couple of minutes, that will be the end of the fast, which then will usher in Purim. It's usually just after the end of the fast that most of the shuls will be reading the, the Megillah. Of course, we understand that it is an absolute obligation for every man, woman, and a child who is capable of being able to sit in shul and not become a nuisance and a disturbance and make so much noise by Haman and beyond that people miss the next few words because they just have this penchant for making for making continuous noise. But every single person is required to hear the Megillah twice, both by night and again on Purim on Purim day. Uh, if you can't make it to to the main shul service. Let's say you don't have a babysitter, someone has to stay home with the little kitties, etc. So most communities have a later reading where maybe hobby hubby can go to shul for the main service and then the wife can go later or something like that. There are plenty of other, even if your shul doesn't have a late reading, look around on the community notices. There are plenty of later readings. Everyone must get to hear the Megillah both by night and again by day. At night, there are really no other Obligations. Obviously, the partying starts. Although there is absolutely no obligation to have a major meal on Purim night, we should have a little bit of a nicer supper, a little bit of a nicer break, breakfast than than, uh, than than usual. And of course, most people are busy that night getting ready their their uh, parcels. Although there are plenty of parties around for the youth, etc., on on Purim on Purim night. Day, we need to get to early starts. There's lots, lots to do. Again, we must start off with Davening, Davening with the Minion, hearing, hearing the Megillah. Please check with your local uh, newsletter or your local shul Bulletin board as to what time the Lane of the Megillah will be in the in the morning. If not, there will be later readings. I'm sure no one would mind if I advertise that there will be a reading at the HOD at half past ten. On Thursday morning on Purim on Purim morning if you can't get to an earlier show on that suits you please please join us there for that uh, for that uh, annual annual reading which was of course started by the late uh, chief rabbi Harris and is dedicated and and and, and produced in, in honor and in loving memory of this of was one of her very favorite Projects and she really pushed it, and and it's a, it's, a, it's a big ilun shaman for 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 her. So Purim day is a very very busy day. There are lots of mitzvahs that need to be to be done. I may have forgotten to mention that on Purim night before before we even go down, go to Mincha, there's a mitzvah of of giving uh, three half of the currency of that country. We don't really have a half currency here, but. To usually uh, the shul has some kind of made some kind of arrangement where you can pick up three coins and instead donate some money that will be given for 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 charity and uh, or, or to poor to poor people on the day of, uh, of of Purim that gets done before Purim even starts. By the way, uh, Purim night Purim is a yomtiv. and therefore one should come to shul to hear the Megillah on Purim night dressed in one's Yom Tov's clothes and, and respectively not just uh, you know, come home from work and whatever you want, you want to wear you want to dress up uh, uh, for, for, for Yom Tov as, as is appropriate we'll come back with some closing comments about some of the other Mitzvah of Day in a moment this is 1.9 Chai FM Soul to Soul and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa <laughs> This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurr, only
0: on 101.9 Chai FM.
1: 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Vayikra, Pashas, Zohar, just a few days before Chag and it's exactly that Chag that we are discussing at this, at this time, and we're talking about the very, very busy day that Purim actually turns out to be in this, so many beautiful mitzvahs that we get to fulfill on, on Purim day. Firstly, as we said, we must start off in the morning by hearing the Megillah. Please, please, when you plan your day, make sure you, you kind of factor in the time one needs to hear the, the, the Megillah uh, you know, it's, it's so often, uh, my colleagues have, have told me that they get calls late in the afternoon. Oh, I haven't managed to hear the Megillah yet. Um, you know, do you know I can find, uh, a, a reading now? And really, that's a really time when everyone is ready going off to their Suda. Factor it into your day from the beginning. Find out what time suits you and what time there's a leaning and make sure you, you get that. By the way, when you're listening to the Megillah, you may, you should have a Chumash with you. Don't necessarily read along with the Valkyrie, but I follow. And if there's any word that for whatever reason you cannot hear, there's too much noise, whatever, you know, it doesn't come across clearly, you can then read the next couple of words from your Chumash and then continue. And you continue to listen. And obviously one needs to hear every word. One cannot fall asleep. One interrupt with talk uh, during the Megillah in order to fulfill the the obligation the mitzvahs of purim day so firstly there is the mitzvah of mishlach manot mishlach manot means sending one parcel that contains two food items to a friend the purpose of mishlach manot is to increase camaraderie and brotherly love between 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 Jews and and uh between between Jews and and, and each other and if if we don't if we don't have that, then we actually have have nothing. So find someone that you really would like to show your affinity with. Maybe someone who if you haven't had exactly the best relationship. You know, sort of close a rift, uh, heal a feud, make make a new friend. Right? It only has to be two food items, and those two food items can basically be virtually any ready food. Uh, 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 uh it, they can definitely be of the same bracha, even of the same type of food, as long as they taste different. You can, you could actually, as say, you could give someone a a, a chicken flegel and and uh, and, uh, and and uh, and a chicken breast or schnitzel have different tastes. It's hundred percent considered two different two different species. Of course, we're only obligated to give one parcel, but of course, we have lots of friends, we have lots of associates, lots of people we'd like to show uh, an affinity to, and therefore, we deliver many parcels. They must be delivered on Purim day, not Purim night, not the next day, and preferably after having heard the Megillah. The mitzvah of giving two Gifts of money to poor people, and the money is to be given to the poor people on Purim Day specifically for the purpose of them being able to buy food for the Purim meal. It's not for uh, you know they can do with it what they want, but we cannot take other money that we're supposed to be giving them and and give it to them on Purim. That is not matanis of yun. It must be specifically given for and and most Rabbon and most uh, 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 shuls. Have a kind of a discretionary fund that distributes the the, the money. And of course, the final mitzvah is of course the suit is purim. Make sure you have a festive meal, some meat, some wine, make it a make it a merry, merry time. And of course, when Purim's over, we go straight into Erev Shabbos and Bezas Hashem. If we're all sober, we'll be able to join together then next week. And maybe we'll talk some more Purim Torah. We'll see where we are. At that point in our existential uh, situation, in the meantime, I want to wish every one of you a beautiful, warm, wonderful Shabbos. And after that, when it comes, afreilach uh, and and purim, enjoy it. Have a wonderful time, and remember, it's a simcha, and a simcha is not just frivolity. A simcha is the true joy of a yid doing Hakadosh Baruch mitzvahs. To each and every one of us, a beautiful, good Shabbos.